Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for high society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. I'd like to welcome to the podcast Marvin Scott, uh, the longtime newscaster for WPIX Channel 11 in New York City, winner of many awards and Emmys. Most of you will recognize his voice, and I'd like to say hello to you, and we'll spend a little time together and talk about the media, which is what we were talking about uh, earlier in the day, and uh, how, how it's changed and uh, what the effect is. But first of all, let me ask you a question. What uh, caused you to uh, decide you wanted to become a, a newscaster or a broadcaster all those years ago? Did you consider being a fireman or a policeman or anything? Actually, uh, first, uh, good to see you again, Dan. Good to be with you. Actually, it was a fire that I could say ignited my career. And <laughs> through my passion for photography, uh, at the uh, tender age of uh, 15, there was a raging inferno on my block in the Bronx. I was doing my homework. I looked out the window, night turned to day. And here was this catering hall, really ablaze, a conflagration, flames belching from a dozen windows. And I ran down with my camera and got some remarkable photographs, which I sold. I called the New York Daily News, New York's picture newspaper back then. And they said, hey, kid, bring them down. Brought down my negatives. I walked into the newsroom and there was the, the excitement of that newsroom. And I gave them my film and I returned to my uh, block and all my neighbors were on the corner. And they said, what happened? What happened? I was right there. So... I told them what happened, what I saw firsthand. And you can say that was my first newscast at the age of uh, 15. And uh, I've been telling stories ever since. I, I call myself a storyteller. I've told well over 15,000 over the course of my career, Dan. I know that some of it was abroad. You went to uh, see the troops, did you not? Well, uh, Channel 11, we did a, a special broadcast starting back in 2004. I had this idea of uh, who are these soldiers? We saw all these reports of the car bombs and the casualties, but who are these soldiers? They were local, particularly those in the National Guard and the Reserve. They were, they were firefighters. They were fire. They were police officers and teachers, attorneys. And I managed to get myself embedded with a National Guard troop, uh, a Reserve troop in uh, Balad, Iraq which was just north of Baghdad. And we went over, we called it a Picks Christmas in Iraq. And we brought over uh, a taste of New York in the form of bagels, hot dogs, and cheesecake. <laughs> uh, Nathan's, Nathan's provided it, Junior's and H&H uh, &H bagels. And I'll tell you, it went over so big, but even better than that. And what stands out in my memory is the one-on-one -on -one interviews we did. We, we put... We put the, the soldiers on to talk to their families back in New York. My colleagues were here on this side while I was standing in the desert in, in Iraq uh, with a soldier. It was 6 a.m. when we were on the air at 10 p.m. 
uh, and it was it was remarkable. We did five trips. We did four to Iraq Christmases in Iraq and one in Afghanistan. The last one was the 2013 at Bagram Air Base, and uh, it was just a remarkable experience. It stands out as probably the most memorable and uh, rewarding thing I've done in my entire career. They must have been uh, cheering you at this. Well, they were cheering New York. They were cheering WPIX for coming all the way over some seven, 8,000 miles all the way from New York to spend Christmas with them. Uh, and I'll tell you, there was no better feeling than, than having a, a female soldier clasp me and give me a big hug and embrace and say, thank you, you made a difference for my Christmas. And, and the emails we received, it was just wonderful. You know, we, we have the slogan, New York's very own, and New York's very own went all the way over there to tell them we hadn't forgotten these New Yorkers and those from the tri-state area at Christmas time. So it was oh, wonderful. That was wonderful. What uh, was the, what, did, what stands out in your mind as the biggest story you ever covered? Well, I, I, I cannot say there's any story bigger than the one we're about to observe on 9-11. Uh, that was a story that hit us all. It wasn't a story in, of some terror attack in some far off land in Tanzania or someplace else. This was something in our own backyard. We were all impacted by it. And those who worked around, the, those of us who worked around the clock on the air reporting and telling that story, it was difficult. It was difficult, particularly, I remember sitting in the studio with Mary Murphy and Kaidi Tong, and we had people coming in and being interviewed and, and talking about their loved ones who they still believe would have survived or, or probably would had survived, particularly one woman who said her father, he was a survivor. And when she told me what floor he was on, 100, 101st floor, 105th floor, I think, uh, there was no way he could have gotten out. But they held out this hope. And there was so much hope at that time. And then the, the sad reality of just how many lives were lost on that awful day. Where, where were you at uh, when, when the planes hit? It was about 8.30 in the morning. Sleeping. And how quickly did you get? <laughs> that was sleep? that was a primary, the mayoral primary day. So I was sleeping in late. I worked the night shift. And my daughter called me uh, shortly after nine o'clock and frenetic and they, Dad, are you watching television? Do you see what happened? A plane flew into the ward. I said, what? And I, I got up and was just turned the television on and it was so surreal. And I tried getting to my news desk and it was it was impossible to get through. All the lines, of course, were tied up. People were trying to get out of New York and calling their families. And uh, I finally did get out and I did pass a checkpoint of, of just on the other side of Manhattan over in New Jersey. And I got through a checkpoint and I got to the the ferry, the ferry terminal. And I had hoped to get onto a ferry to get across to the other side. And they waved their hands. No, New York is closed. You can't, I showed my press credentials. They didn't care about a thing. I could not get aboard. But yeah. then I spied a pleasure craft just a short distance away at the, uh, the gas dock. I charged over there. There was a 30 foot pleasure boat trying to get a uh, fuel, but the fuel dock had closed. And uh, the owner of the boat, recognized me from channel 11 and he said yes he would take me across if i get him some gas so i went to the dock master and i <laughs> twisted his arm told him the man owned a big pleasure boat and he was trying to help ferry people across and on that basis he got fuel and we went across and i'll never forget the view watching the white wake behind the boat and the black cloud coming north oh my Washington bridge 
it, it was awesome. And it, it gives me a chill now just reflecting on that 20 years later. You know, we have the memories and the, uh, the pain for those who had the loss remains quite deep. You can never get over something like that. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking uh, before this about how uh, the media has changed so dramatically in the last 10 or 15 years in terms of everybody's a newscaster now and some of them don't know their arms from their elbows and so we get Dan it's changed so radically since you and I first started writing we started writing (laughs) I started writing for newspaper I was a the campus correspondent in the New York Herald Tribune got my first byline there so since those days this business has changed we've gone from a a dozen channels out there to over 800. We have more voices out there. Uh, we have the big change, social media. That has changed yeah. the face of, of journalism. And while journalism today, you know, there are people who have negative remarks about journalism, but I can't say, I have to say I'm nothing prouder of than to be a part of this profession because we are responsible. We do do our job. We have a responsibility to tell the truth. And I think we do get that. I know there are people out there saying, no, 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 fake news and all that. This is is something, there, there are opinionated news. There are stations that are designated for that. You have the Fox Channel, the MSNBC, you have CNN, their opinion. But I think the best location for any objective news today is local news. Your local television newscast tell it to you the way it is. You do have, you do get a liberal bias sometimes on the networks, and we hear that all the time. But how has it changed? I think today, a lot of the younger people, they they turn to social media. I I read a survey about a year ago, and they said 62% of people get their news from social media. 44% of them get it from Facebook alone. And the problem there is, they don't do the fact-checking that we do in responsible news organizations. There it is. Get it on first and check the facts afterwards. And that's not we were, what we were taught in journalism school. At Channel 11, we will not go on with anything until we have a verification from a source. So we have two sources. And I'll, I'll never forget the Gabby Gifford uh, when she was shot in Arizona. All the networks were going on with stories about several people were killed there but gabby gifford it was reported that she had died erroneously one station heard it another station picked it up but then there was other there was a, a newscast uh, a, a program called i think broadcast news i believe that was it uh with uh, jeff daniels and they had an episode on that and they were reporting the producer kept saying well every, this station's reporting this station's reporting that she's dead she's dead she's dead and he came back and he said a doctor declares her dead, not a newscaster. Correct. And that is so true. We, we, we vet our sources and we will not go on until we know we have confirmation of that. I think, and you probably agree with me, that having so many people getting their news from social media where they don't have their facts is a bad thing and needs to be reined in in some way. Uh, yes, that is true. I think people like to be fed their news. They like to be told the story very simplistically. We do a story and we we try and keep it concise, but we got the basic facts out there. And that's the important thing. Social media, people have to understand when they're they're getting the news from social media, they have to check it and see if it is accurate. Uh, I remember one morning, 
my wife called out and said, uh, someone had died. Uh, someone of royalty had died. In the morning, I was listening to Wynn's radio and heard that the individual had just changed assignment. And I said, where did that come from, Lori? On social media. Again, the facts don't get checked adequately on social media. You have so much fake news. You have uh, the uh, satirical news as well. You have uh, sites like Onion that will give you satire on the news. And some people believe what they see. And it's not right. You, you have to. The problem today, we don't read enough. I think that is a big change. People don't read enough and they expect of us, the storytellers, to tell them what's happening. News on demand, but local, local, I believe, is the best source for, for the most objective news reports. You've been with WPIX longer than I can remember, I think. It must have been, has it changed? Has the newsroom changed in uh, all this time? From uh, I, This is my 44, 41st year at uh, WPIX. We are uh, now part of the Next Star system. And uh, we, uh, has it changed in the sense technology has changed? Uh, we now go from the days of, of film and videotape. We have digital. Uh, we're more instant. We get on the air immediately. Uh, no better example of that than, uh, was it 30, 30 years ago, uh, 90, yeah, 30 years ago when we had uh, the uh, Iraq war. We had live, live cameras and live and reporters as the troops were going into Baghdad. You can have instantaneous reporting today. We're on the scene. We're there. You know, as right now, we have our reporters are in Albany. Uh, reporting on the uh, the Cuomo situation, the Cuomo crisis in, uh, in New York government, uh, it's changed in that sense, and we're more we're more news conscious. We have more news broadcasting. We have uh, so many hours a day that we're on the air because people they, they crave to hear what's going on, and they turn to us, and they have faith in us to tell them what is going on and tell it to them objectively, and that has been my mantra for. For these all these years over half a century of doing this uh just just be honest and tell the story um they, what was it rudyard kipling said he had five faithful serving men who what when where why and uh that's why years ago a reporter's first assignment was on a newspaper writing the obituaries and the reason for that was they had to get used to doing the who what when where why that's right and those are the facts just the facts ma'am just I was, uh, I was a stringer in high school for our sports teams at that time, uh, we took a trip to, uh, I grew up in uh, Melbourne, New Jersey, and uh, we took a trip to Newark to the, there was then the Newark Evening News. We went to meet the sports editor and he said, here's what I want you to do. And there were about 20 of us kids, about 16 years old at the time in this room. You could hear the ticker tape going. And uh, he said, uh, you want to call in, get to a payphone, call this number and give us the facts, write down the score and who scored the winning points and how it happened. And, and, and that's all we need. We don't need to get into too much more than that. So don't make it too long. Everybody got it. And everyone said, yeah, we all got it. And then he said, I don't, he said, here's something I don't want. One day we had a basketball game, a high school basketball game, and the phone rang and the guy got on the phone with the other end who was at the game. He was one of the kids, kids like you reporting in. And you could hear everybody screaming in the background. And he said, we won, we won. And he hung up. 
<laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> oh, you, you've had some pretty good stories and experiences in your time, uh, Dan. I've, I've followed you for years, and it was so good to have you on my broadcast a couple of times when you've written your book. So uh, it's good to be with you again today. Yeah, and uh, you you have some something coming up too. Also, your organization that gives you're a judge or part of a, an awards group. Oh, we have the, uh, the the New York chapter of the Television Academy. Yes, I'm the awards chair, and uh, we have our Emmy Awards coming up. Uh, local Emmy Awards. We've had a record number of submissions this year, and over uh, 700 uh, nominees and. We'll be making those presentations sometime this fall. Uh, so I keep myself active there, active at the, uh, the Friars Club. And also we have coming up the, the Ellis Island Medals of Honor. I've been the uh, master of ceremonies there for the past, what, this is my 27th, 28th year. They told me they're going to keep me there until I get it right. <laughs> well, that's great. So I, like the, I like staying active. I'm, like, I'm quite involved in the community uh, and the journalistic community and anything I could do in the city because I'm a part of the city. I, I, I've grown up here, a kid born and raised in the Bronx, in, uh, uh, and I had a dream. I had a dream after that fire. I said, I, I, I love the charge, the, the excitement of that, that I experienced that day with bringing those pictures to the Daily News and, and telling my neighbors the story of what happened. And I just, I like telling stories. And yeah. I, you know, I told them, you've seen it. I've told it in my book where I capture some of the... Uh, uh, the more unique stories I've covered over the years and uh, some of the more memorable interviews. Can I put a plug in for it for those who haven't sure. seen it? Sure. Right. There it is. As I saw it, a reporter's intrepid journey. And uh, there are about two dozen unique stories I've covered and a dozen of the more incredible interviews. Martin Luther King stands out uh, probably as the most iconic of all interviews I did. I met him on a march in Mississippi, uh, the March Against Fear, which was started by James Meredith. He was shot down and wounded by a sniper. So Martin Luther King and the other leaders of the civil rights movement picked up the march. And, and during a break in the march, I'll share this story with you real quickly, uh, Dan. Back in the radio days, I was with the Mutual Radio Network. Uh, we had a break and I ran across the road to a motel to get to a payphone. We didn't have cell phones or computers back then. And I filed my radio report and it was a steamy hot day. And I picked up a couple of Cokes from the vending machine, put one in my pocket and drinking the other as I crossed the road and saw Dr. King sitting there on the mound uh, during this break. And I had already met him and I said, Dr. King, may I join you for a moment? He said, yes. And I reached in my pocket, said, would you like a Coke? <laughs> we sat there, we talked for, oh, maybe eight, 10 minutes. And he, he was talking about his dream of what he saw for the future. And he expected things would get better. And he did have a vision of seeing someday that there would be an African-American president. And he, he that basically echoed what he had said in the Washington speech. And at one point I asked him, Dr. King, you've had so many threats on your life. Why do you do this? A pregnant pause looked me in the eye and he said, for the children, for the children never forgot that moment how poignant it was and it's the children over the years have benefited by by his efforts in the civil rights movement going back in the 50s and 60s that was a remarkable moment so yes. that's what i remember what brought you out to the hamptons and how do you spend your love time the hamptons love it love just getting out of the city and just everything comes down 
sit, relax. <laughs> I don't relax that much. My wife tells me that all the time. Relax, relax. So when I get to the Hamptons, sit at the pool, sit on the beach, it's, it's just so wonderful out of it. And we have so many friends out there. Uh, we're either in West Hampton or we're currently, we're staying with friends in East Quag and the restaurants out there. We've been to Bridgehampton, Southampton, and we'll be out there again this weekend. And uh, actually it goes back, maybe many of your uh, viewers may remember John Rowland, who was the anchor for years on uh, Channel 5. And he was a dear friend. So we started yeah. coming out there in the late 80s, 90s, and we stayed with him often. And uh, yeah. we just fell in love with the place. Yeah, so. he had an oceanfront place. I remember him running for mayor. Yes, he did yeah. in West Hampton. He did run for mayor. And uh, John, John is now retired, happily married. Yep, at the time. Is he still, uh, he went down to Florida. John is living in Florida. He is retired. Very happy, and uh, I'll be seeing him probably this Saturday night. We'll be, uh, we'll be in where are we going to be? At Starbucks in West Hampton. <laughs> we'll oh, there. nice, nice. Maybe we'll see you there. Well, thank you for coming on the show. This was great pleasure to see you again, Dan. Good to see you. Stay have well. A, have a good day. I'm uh, talking to Marvin Scott, the newscaster, and uh, enjoy your time. Okay, I got to put on the jacket, go to work. I have an interview to do, and. I'll have a story to tell tonight at 10 o'clock somehow. I'll watch Take care, it. Dan. Bye. Bye.